still draw them at every forum. Don't lose no points, I just score them. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the forum. I go by the name of Charles Diamond, a.k.a. the Black Bruce Wayne, here with... Ali, a.k.a. Ketchup Boy. Raj, a.k.a. Unwritten Rules. I really feel like I've been slacking on the nicknames in recent memory. I used to be a lot more creative. I appreciate just Ketchup Boy because it's something new. I appreciate that. Ketchup, ketchup, ketchup's uh, something that you can always make new, you know? You know, there's a bunch of different flavors. You can always, always get new ones. Sorry, that was a horrible way to start the pod. I don't I don't think it was. I was actually you actually set me up. There's this restaurant in New York. It's like a French fry bar, but they sell fr- it's like Belgian fries, like authentic French fries. I'm using air quotes yeah. when I say that because like it's a French fry. But um they have like a ketchup bar. So they got like curry ketchup, they got like garlic ketchup, they got blah blah blah. Ooh. I've never been there, but that reminds me, I think it was I believe it was Jeannie that sent me this. Uh, she tweeted at me it was like a restaurant called ketchup but it closed down and like that's that sounds like my dream place just to go to a place called ketchup <laughs> where they just sell different types what's the name of the place you were talking about oh i, I got no idea uh you got to find out now you got to tweet at fro magnum for that she told me about it <laughs> also i'm mad at genie for humoring your ketchup fantasy she has much better culinary taste than that <laughs> is let me tell you what man ketchup you don't you can make ketchup fancy, you know? You can do whatever with ketchup. Does that place, like, sell ketchup with a side of fries? Or, like, how does that work? Like, is it... The fries is, like, the appetizer there? It's, like, the ketchup is the main course? I mean, yeah, like... I would they, hope so. Yeah. They sell, like, cones of fries, but they each come with two sauces, so you get two ketchups <laughs> off-rip. <laughs> Could you imagine just uh, get a cone and then they go like this, they, they pull the lever and they just fill up the cone with ketchup. <laughs> What's crazy is like ketchup is the only one that you could do that for, right? You can't have a restaurant called like ranch. Like, I don't think that would work, right? But ketchup actually, like when you said that, I was like, oh, like, I could I could see it. You would go there, right? I, I would Raj, like be- Raj, that was too slow that was too slow <laughs> no, yeah i'm not not sure maybe if like you really if you went there a few times and you really recommended it then maybe but like, i don't know it's because ketchup is so ubiquitous like you could do that with mustard you could have dijon i know what have- that i know what that means yeah bro <laughs> i don't i don't <laughs> oh man it mean it's like it's 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 everywhere you know what i'm saying like you can use it yeah. on a bunch of stuff but you could do that with mustard you could have like honey mustard dijon stone ground right. you could have mm-hmm. like mustard aioli but like eventually like i'm not i'm gonna stop wanting to dip stuff in mustard there's there's a ubiquitous amount of ketchup did i say that right well done there you go, Ali. yes there you go there was no reason for rick to need to use that big of a word there there's no reason for it hey bro <laughs> i'm working on my third degree bro chill out they- there's sriracha ketchup. There's like mayonnaise ketchup. There's like a ton of. I don't want mayonnaise ketchup, but like there's a ton of ketchup that that like there's like I think I think legitimately there's like seven eight flavors that like Heinz sells. It's great. Yo, I don't don't sully my delicious mayonnaise with ketchup, bro. Like mayonnaise is too pure and delicious for it mayonnaise to be is so bad. Mayonnaise no. is so you can mix in stuff, but like. If I'm having a turkey sandwich, I'm not trying to slather. Like, my, don't give me that look. You, you named wanna... you named the one thing that like mayonnaise is a need for. Mm-mm, mm-mm. If you, well, that's not what McDonald's thinks. You go to McDonald's, they put like they put 
Man, they put chicken with a gulp of mayonnaise on the burgers. On the McChicken, yeah. They yeah, it. and it's, it's delicious. Just, it is. It's good. No, you go and you say, can I have no mayonnaise? No, you don't. <laughs> if you're a terrorist, <laughs> what's wrong with you? That's racist. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. We're all brown. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> Man, should I cut that out? I don't know. Times are tough nowadays. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> Anywho, uh, as you can see, we're all still in a good mood uh, because the Lakers are your 2020 NBA defending champions. And uh, I know there are a lot of rumors going on. I know that technically it's the off season, uh, but we want to just just stay in the moment real quick. We want to stay in the moment. We want to reflect a little bit. On this championship, Derrick Rose's season. Oh man! Hey, you know it's only bad because you're not kidding. We 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 hopped on the Zoom and Ali was like, "Yo, what about D. Rose and Chris Paul?" And Raj was like, "Chill out." <laughs> no, I would let me let me say this. I wasn't saying yo like about Chris Paul and them because I want them on the team. Like the yeah, I was saying just like the rumors and like let's talk about it, but. It's all right. It's all right. It's all good. That's why ratings are down. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, that's because Car- that's because of Caruso. Oh yeah, true. Him too. Fifty yeah. fifty split. Why- there you go. <laughs> so I think what uh, what we're gonna do for the next uh, I, I don't even want to get I don't want to lie to the people. I don't know how long you're gonna be listening to this for yet. But what we're gonna do for the next half hour hour. Two hours of your time. Just kidding, Ellie. Got to go to bed. Um, we're going to reflect a little bit. We each brought to this podcast uh, a storyline that from this past season that we wanted to discuss that we thought was important. Um, and it, the 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 prompt was pretty generic, pretty vague, because I thought we could all get creative here and, and pick something that was near and dear to us. But before we get there, like we did last podcast, we're going to give a Laker their flowers for for their work over this past season. And I'm going to let Raj start us off and then uh, announce to the people who's getting their flowers on this episode of the forum. Ooh. I think, do we want to start with Frank Vogel? Let's do it. Absolutely. So a coach that was the third choice behind the current Clippers coach, I think. I think Ty Lue's now the official Ooh. Clippers coach of the uh, – yeah, official Clippers coach. And uh, yeah, Frank Vogel, who no one thought would be here, who basically had Jason Kidd behind him the whole way. Jason Kidd jokes. Um, and yeah, put in his defense and is now a champion. Is He joins what Phil Jackson and all those other legendary coaches. And you could hear from the summer, everyone talking about like what happened in Orlando. Um, I don't think that was a legit NBA roster, but still like everyone was like, what happened in Orlando? And then he had the Indiana days, his uh, offense was way off it wasn't modern at all but and then you hear him talk now he just seems like the right guy for this he he deserves his flowers yeah like you said he, he was like the third choice behind monty williams and tyron lu and like the fact that he was going to be tyron lu's assistant coach if you guys remember like he wasn't he like oh, right. can you imagine i don't know if he's on social media really <laughs> but like that's the talk of the summer was about how he was the third choice how jason kidd was going to take his job like all these things just going at him but like he just outshined everyone and he just the i really do believe he was the perfect coach for the situation the way he talks to the media and just like the positive attitude he always has you don't 
they the Lakers truly needed that kind of presence. And I don't think there was anyone better for the job than Frank Vogel. I think Frank Vogel would be an excellent poker player. I don't know this for sure. He's never <laughs> been on record. But I just remember that introductory press conference. And and it was McTen, of all people, just peppering Palenka with like, you're sitting here next to your third choice. It was a very messy search. And all the while, Vogel's just sitting there with like this blank smile on his face, just like, yeah, the, the listeners can't see me, but there's a blank smile on my face. And it was just like, you know, this guy, he doesn't care. He's it's literally the 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 criticism or the 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 controversy, quote unquote, is just rolling off his back. And um I think one of the things that people talk about when they talk about like the success of an organization, right? Is that there's alignment, right? Like that's why, even though I hate to talk about another team right now, like even though they never, they never reached their goal and they kind of had like an unceremonious end to their era. Like that's why the D'Antoni, Daryl Morey pairing was so awesome. Cause there was complete synchronicity between what the coach wanted to do and what the front office wanted to do, what the coach was about, what the front office was about. And I feel like Frank, during that introductory press conference, he said, he said something that kind of stuck with me. He said, you know, I don't really want to pay attention to the noise. I just want to do the work. That's something that Jeannie repeated over the course of the time when she was ousting her brothers from the organization. Um, brother, I should say, like Mitch is her brother. I mean, technically, I don't know. Like they're close enough. What am I talking about? Anyway, that was the same thing that Rob was talking about, like not, not getting distracted, just doing the work. Um, as people were saying on national TV that he didn't know how the salary cap worked, even though this dude's been an agent for like a decade and a half. Frank said the exact same thing. And and I just felt like that that alignment, like I, I can't say if Ty Lue or Monty Williams wasn't about that same thing, but that alignment just like showed up from the start of the season and it culminated in the the ultimate prize. Right. Do you remember like why we were kind of upset at the previous coaching hires? It's because it felt like they just got the hire because of their name, right? Like because Byron Scott yep. got hired because he was a Laker. Luke Walton, even though he had that Warriors run, he really got hired because he was a Laker. He was within the family. Yeah. Frank Vogel was not that at all. And he didn't earn his spot as a coach at all from that. He was at what, like, a, I think a D3 school or something like that. I don't know how the college basketball works. But, um, yeah, he earned his way. He was in the film room, um, very sp- similar to, like, Eric Spolstra. And he earned every single, like, f- footing he has in the league. And for him, because he got here from his work, right? Nothing else, not from his name. He didn't any. He didn't have any kind of connections. So it's kind of like the perfect coach. And I feel like when you're coaching two stars, you kind of need to get out of the way sometimes. Um, and he does that very well. You can tell. And the players listen to him, obviously, and they trust in what he does. And I think that's the most important thing. Well, according to Mark Jackson, it's an easy job. <laughs> so, I mean, I'm... <laughs> I couldn't believe when he said that. Yo, when he said that, oh, I lost my mind. I was like, how are you going to just say that when you <laughs> like you coach <laughs> Steph Curry? You coach the Warriors. You can't be like throwing that out there. I try to be supportive of Mark Jackson, but like just because I, I like him, like he's he's a fun, he seems like a fun guy, but there's just certain aspects of his personality that are completely incompatible with how I want to live my life. And one of the less serious ones is just his inability to just be like, hey, that dude's doing a good job. Like, <laughs> I don't understand fun, it. Fun fact, I, two summers ago, um, I played at the same gym as Mark Jackson. And I was never the guy guarding Mark Jackson. But he would always call a screen on the guy I was guarding. And we would switch because we would have to switch. And he would post me up every time. And I <laughs> kid you. I, and he would always score on me. And I kid you not, 
Like he would do that all game. And then the next day I would come and he'd just do that. And I feel like he just hated me. And I think that's where my like hate for Mark Jackson stems from. It's just because he always posts me up and scores on me. Like, I'm not kidding. He never took it easy, which I respect. But God, I had no, I had no chance guarding him. Bro. Would he would he back down and be like no disrespect like and just like keep backing down like how did this work? I'm having like insane visuals in my head. No to disrespect. knock him out the park. <laughs> Can you imagine him just backing down and be like, "Hey, young young son, hand down, man down, turn around, turn around, fade." He, he hits a jumper on you. He's jogging down the court, mama. There goes that man. Are you talking in the third person, Mark? No, Mark never played full court. It was always half court. All right, since we're since you just told a coach story, I want to tell my own coach story, not to steal your thunder. Um, but when I um back when I was working in basketball, when I still thought that that was a thing that was going to happen, I interviewed for a job, and one of the people that interviewed me was actually Rick Carlisle, and I was like super intimidated because I was Wait, like, "That's that's dope." I mean, it would be if I had the job, but I also but, wouldn't be recording this podcast with y'all if I had gotten the job. So, um, but like, I, I feel like this is, this is, I'm going to preface it by saying this. I feel like coaches sometimes, like when you think about NBA coaches, right? You're like, this is kind of intimidating, right? Like mm-hmm. you, 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 just because they're, they're famous, they're very powerful. So you kind of like talk yourself down. You're like, oh, this is just a dude. You know, it's just a human being. Like it's not going right. to be anything he, different. He, he, he does TikToks. Precisely. <laughs> yes. Bruh just busted my balls for 40 minutes straight, just like the entirety of the interview. The first thing he said to me, he asked me, so tell me about yourself. And I tell him about myself for like three, four minutes. And I guess I used the word honestly, like three or four times in the like four minutes that I, and, and he interrupts me. He's like, look, I'm gonna stop you right there. Okay. I, I, I oh don't like when people say the word honestly over and over again. Um, I think uh, he, he told me Jalen Brunson's dad, Rick Brunson, Rick Brunson was on my staff. He used to say the word honestly all the time and just rubs me the wrong way. It makes me think like you're lying. So right now, I just don't know if you're telling the truth. This is like the first five minutes of the interview. And I'm like, I'm not cut out for this industry. I'm going to go to law school. Uh, <laughs> this was not <laughs> meant to be. Um, anyway, fun. <laughs> Can I tweet that? No, absolutely not. No, this is this is for <laughs> listeners only. This is for listeners only. And if you're listening to this, don't do that because I still might want to work for that place one day. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, if we if we all gonna tell a coach story, I guess the only one I have is like when when I was at the Anthony Davis event, and then he had like a uh, pool party, pool like up rooftop pool party, and then <laughs> Frank Vogel was there. And I was like, wow, like he's really short. Like he's like, it looks on TV. Like he looks like this, like, you know, commanding of the room. But like when you're right next to him, he's just like this short, fun guy. Um, Yeah. And it was kind of crazy. He had a bunch of people around them laughing. I was like, this dude goes and like tells LeBron and Anthony Davis what to do. Like that's, (laughs) (laughs) that's pretty crazy. And so mine's not as fun as your guys though, but yeah, I got to meet Frank Vogel, shook his hand. And that was pretty much it. I just want to, I just want to, say how typical it is that me and Ali's stories where I was getting served <laughs> by coaches and Rogers was like, oh, I'm taller than Frank Vogel. <laughs> I shook his hand. He had small hands. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, Rick Carlisle is the reason I quit the industry. And Rogers like, hmm, small Frank. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> anyway, speaking of Frank Vogel, uh, I hate I hate plugging other podcasts on this podcast, but Frank got interviewed by Zach Lowe. Um, and Zach Lowe is uh, an alumnus of William & Mary, Roll Tribe, so I don't feel as bad. 
Um, but one of the things he talked about, Raj, you kind of mentioned it. This dude was like a, like a, a, a D3, like whatever, like not yeah. even D3. I, I forget the, the exact story, but all I know is he wanted a job with Rick Pitino. He wanted to volunteer, do anything gratis, anything with Rick Pitino. So he just mailed him a bunch of letters and eventually like got someone to hand deliver the letter. Oh no, he hand delivered a letter after mailing a bunch of them, hand delivered it to Rick Pitino. Rick Pitino told him, you know, I think Rick Pitino was in Indiana at that point or Louisville, mm-hmm. somewhere in the, mm-hmm. in the Bible Belt. And Rick Pitino was like, if you're ever in insert Bible Belt state here, look us up and maybe we can do something for you. And Frank Vogel took that offer of if you're ever in and moved his entire life, relocated to wherever that place was to beg Rick Pitino for a volunteer job. That is the guy that just coached the Lakers to the NBA championship. I believe that was Kentucky, right? Was it? Was it? I, I think I think it was one of those. I think you're right. I think yeah. you're right. It doesn't matter. He got <laughs> he begged for some job. That's kind of crazy though. But what I learned from that story when I was listening, I was like, you gotta shoot your shot. Like it doesn't matter like what it is. You gotta you gotta shoot it. This dude followed him. I think it was to a basketball camp, right? I think it was he was hosting some basketball camp. And he just showed up, and Frank's like, you can't really get into basketball camps without like you know talking to a lot of people. But you know, I got in, and uh, yeah, he followed the guy and went in front of him, and he he got the job, and now led him to a championship with the Lakers. It's not even about shooting your shot. It's about if you miss the shot, you keep shooting. Yeah. You just keep going. Like the fact that he just was persistent with it and just went after it is is such a cool story. At the risk of extending this basketball metaphor into the third narrative, I'm going to move forward with one last Frank Vogel uh, tidbit from the Zach Lowe podcast. I don't know if either of you have seen the movie Life with Martin Lawrence and Eddie Murphy. No, I don't think so. Hilarious movie, but uh, there's. Oh a wait, scene... is that is that the one where they're in j- like in jail? Yes, yes. Okay, yeah, I've seen it. I've seen it. Okay, okay. There's a scene in that movie. I don't really, I don't remember when, but there's a scene in that movie where like someone's trying to escape or something uh, from mm-hmm. from the jail, and someone yells Martin, at them. Isn't it Martin? Isn't it Martin Lawrence? I think it is Martin because because he, he yeah. had the pie. So somebody yeah, 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 yeah. somebody asked him. They go, "Where the hell are you going?" So the tidbit is that Frank Vogel like would institute that clip into film sessions. So like somebody would, whenever somebody like would make the ball handler turn, they would like stop them, make them turn. Frank Vogel would, uh, during defensive film sessions, input, where the hell are you going? Make them turn. Where the hell are you going? And I just think, <laughs> one, that's hilarious. But also like that just shows like a, a brevity, like a lightheartedness to his coaching style. You know what I mean? Like I don't think Tibbs is chop- chopping up movie clips to show R.J. Barrett in film study right now. You know what I mean? And, yeah. and obviously that's like a generational thing. Like you're not going to treat young players the same way you treat LeBron and AD. But it's just the ability to like maintain that like I'm going to correct your defense in film, but I'm also going to celebrate it with like this movie that most likely a lot of those the, the players on the team have uh, have seen. I think thought that was a cool tidbit one thing that i really liked about vogel too was that this season genuinely honestly rick honestly um (laughs) (laughs) it was it was that uh it was so non-drama filled there was no drama whatsoever and i think a big part of that came from vogel like anytime a player played terribly or like any rondo question came about or anything to the media, he'd never maybe say what he like truly felt. He never threw anyone under the bus. He never, you know, just made a player look badly. He might talk to them 
away from the media, how he felt about their performance or whatnot. But he seemed like the type of person who just reinforces you with positivity and just, you know, I think, again, he's probably top three reasons why it was so, there was just no drama whatsoever. Right. And I, I love what like Zach Lowe even told him. He's like, you didn't coach this team scared when a lot of people could have, right. They could have came in and were like being really uh, tempted with what they were doing. And he's like, no, I believe in what I do. So I'm just going to coach how I want to coach. And that's what he did. And he seems like a player's coach. Like he seems very like loud on the sidelines and mm-hmm. um, he's not really too much on the referees as I see, but uh, he seems to really support the players every time they do something. And like when they do the um, audio for him, he's like really going, he's like, yeah, we got this. And he's like really loud. So yeah, um, yeah I, I even saw that in Indiana. I mean, he took Paul George to like the Eastern conference final. So, I mean, he's, <laughs> he has some kind of like <laughs> background as a good is coach. That a bigger, is that a bigger accomplishment than championship? <laughs> it's close to be honest it's close i mean took when i look back at that roster took paul george and then roy hibber who was on our team like the next year who looked like he couldn't move yo oh, oh like that god was, wasn't that crazy roy like, we, <laughs> i think the i think the player that gives me the most anxiety as a laker it's not luol dang it's not mozgov it's either roy hibbert or carlos boozer it's one of those oh two. Oh my god that just gives me such a headache carlos boozer who in his career was a great mid-range shooter it seemed like any time you shot a mid-range, you just like that. It was off, dude. It was it was gonna That's miss. A miss. Yeah. It looked the slingshot was just gonna hit the back of the backboard yeah. and just I was I was like, this isn't Cleveland in 07, bro. That's not your game anymore. No, no but when Roy he played with the jazz, like it felt like every mid-range shot was going in. Like when Darren Williams yeah. would hit him with the Even pocket with the pass. Bulls. Yeah, with the Bulls, oh, he looked fair. good. I forgot about the Bulls. Yeah. Remember there was like a pow boozer swap. <laughs> That's Weird. Um, yeah, I don't want to remember us- it that way. Yeah, I don't <laughs> want to remember it that way at all. <laughs> Roy Hibber gave us one gem, and it was in the practice footage with him and Lou Williams fake fighting, and he was like, he was like pretending to punch Lou, and then he accidentally gets Lou in the face. Do you remember that? I, I do not remember that. Yeah. Oh, you guys have to see this. Should I send it to you now or save it for later? Save it for later. But I also always later. feel like you have these like I know. tidbits from like the dark days of Laker past. And you're like, <laughs> you're a historian, bro. I, let me tell you what. It's really funny. I really do believe that the most I've ever been locked into the Lakers was during their down days. Mm. And I think it's because my roommate, Sean, if you're listening, my roommate was a quote-unquote laker fan quote-unquote um no he's a laker fan but like he stopped really watching when they were like down and you know as my roommate i was pissed i was like why are you not watching so what that they suck like you have to continue and like i was like i'm gonna take this on for the both of us and i would listen to like everything i would make sure i was watching the pre-game shows i was making sure i was listening to every interview after each game i was so locked in because of like I wanted to prove like I'm still going to be here every second while they're down. And I know that sounds really weird, but I just took it like that. Not at all. Not and at I all. think college is just very, very stressful. So like that was my one watching Laker games was the moment, even though they were down by 30 in some games, it was the moment where I could just like zone out. <laughs> I, I remember uh, I, I was dating someone else at the time and she'd be like, why are you getting so stressed out? They're down 18. You know, they're going to lose. And I'm like, <laughs> I just want to see if D'Angelo has better vision. You know what I mean? Like it's, I don't know. It's stupid. Um, all right. We're, we're getting, we're getting long winded. I want to end this segment uh, about Frank Vogel. I just want to 
end it with a toast. This is a fake toast because I don't have a glass. Uh, I do have an empty can of seltzer, but counts. Uh, I, have, uh, I have a Roku remote. Oh. <laughs> dope, dope. Uh, shout out to Frank Vogel, man. Uh, hopefully, you do not follow Paul Paul Westhead as the uh, as the coach to only win a one title with the Lakers and then <laughs> and then, and then get fired. Hopefully, that doesn't happen. I hope how you, many uh, total how many total co- coaches are there that have won with the Lakers? One in general, yeah, like won a championship. That's a good question. Riley, Riley, Phil, Westhead, Vogel, and then, dude, if we're gonna go back to like <laughs> yeah. this era, let's keep yeah. it this era. I, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I was gonna say we're gonna have to ask some uh, <laughs> some older uh, Laker fans than <laughs> than what we have here. Ask some old Celtic fans; they'll tell you. <laughs> I like that. I like that. I was also I, I, that was a little late to me. Uh, but okay. yeah. <laughs> You'll catch it on the re- replay. Well, I'll yeah, leave you yeah, won't because yeah. you don't re-listen to it. But you know, listen, man, I cannot <laughs> hear my own voice. I'm sure someone's listening to this podcast right now where they're like, "Me too." It's just it's so harsh to hear your own voice. <laughs> we just cut you off of every podcast. So you don't even know. Sorry. <laughs> Could you imagine that? You just you literally just edit my voice to sound like a, a chipmunk or something every podcast. I've been uh stalling this whole time to look up how many coaches have won. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> I thought that's what you're doing. I like, <laughs> yeah, I could see I could see you looking up something and I was like, I think he's doing it. Alright, so we got Frank, obviously. We got Phil, obviously. Pat. Right. Then we, then we got Paul Westhead, who I just said. Obviously. Bill yeah. Sharman. Honestly? Who won 1972. <laughs> Bill Sharman. And then John Kundla won five. So only six. That's it? Wow. Only six. 17 six titles. 17. Six coaches. That's crazy. That um, is pretty crazy. But that being said, uh, Bill Sharman joins. Actually, yeah, Bill Sharman joins that Paul Westhead club of only winning one title with the Lakers. Yeah. So hopefully Frank Vogel does not end up in the Sharman Westhead club. It's like 2.7 titles per coach or something like that. My Joke. math is <laughs> my math is right there. That's crazy. Um, yeah. All right, so now that that segment's over, uh we're going to go into our our favorite storylines of the season. Or maybe not favorite, maybe uh, just the ones we thought of for this podcast is a better, better billing. Um, we're going to get to that after this brief message from our sponsor. Ali was so confused. I'm f-ing with you. Nah, we can't go straight Bro, into I was it. Like, are you about to give us a surprise that I we know. got sponsored? Bro, my, I, I got so shook right there. I Why would you like, do that, no bro? No way. Did me undies... Did me undies actually decide to sponsor us? Manscaped? Okay, I, my, my dream is to read a script where I'm oh. like, now is your chance to get this sale on me undies. All you have to use is promo code forum. Like, yeah, hey, just, look, I don't even know if I want to do this pod anymore. If you're I, listening, so ha- I don't know if you saw that. Re- I was so happy. Oh, I did. If you're listening, just think about how seamlessly your ad would fit <laughs> in that transition. I hate you. Oh man. oh, man. All right. I need a second. I can't do that. My storyline first. I'm sweating <laughs> after that. Dude, I was so shook there. <laughs> You're about to do a Roman ad, too. I was like, well, we take anything, bro. Like, come on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Oh, my heart. <laughs> 
need oh. a new razor to shave your balls? <laughs> not not editing that at all. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I'm crying. Okay. All right. Let's go in alphabetical order. Oh, you suck. I hate you even more. Um, <laughs> all right. Let me let me just tell the listeners I am on like two hours of sleep. So if I botched this whole thing, forgive me. And I would no um, excuses. We're not doing that. No excuses. No, that. No, no excuses. No, no like excuses. a champion. Um, yes, 17 time. All right. Um, so my storyline that I'm picking is during the regular season, a big point where the Lakers struggled um, that a lot of fans harped on throughout the season, especially on Twitter, was when LeBron was off the court, the Lakers had a lot of moments where they struggled. And you were just like, please, when is LeBron coming back in? They need a ball handler, need someone to run the offense. It just it just didn't look great at many times. But in my opinion, throughout the playoffs, it looked a lot better. It looked pretty damn seamless. Um, again, LeBron played more minutes than he did in the regular season, so that could play a part. But when I looked at the numbers, uh, LeBron, during the regular season, when he was off the court, the Lakers had a net a net rating of negative 1.9. He was the only Laker with a negative, besides J.R. Smith and Dion, who they both barely played. Um, with a neg- So LeBron was a negative 1.9 during the regular season. And then when I looked it up during the playoffs, his negative his net rating when when his net rating off the court was a negative 4.7, which Kind of took me by surprise because in my mind I'm like he pl- they played much better like during the playoffs, but I I actually believe that it was when they had a decent lead and like LeBron would sit out for most of the fourth. That's the reason why that net rating is so low. Um, but yeah, what do you guys think about that? Do you think it could be because he's playing more with Anthony Davis like during the playoffs, maybe, and like they come out more at the same time or? Or could that be, oh, well, I guess Anthony Davis would be on the floor more in that situation. Um, yeah, it is kind of weird, but maybe they were just, like you said, they were up more in a lot of games. So, like, from, your, they, from your eye test, though, did it seem like they played better in the playoffs when he was off the court? Definitely it did, but it felt like we were up more. Like, <laughs> we had, like, bigger yeah. leads in the playoffs yeah. than in the regular season. Um, so maybe that's why. But, yeah, that is so kind of weird. felt safer. Yeah, it did. Yeah, it, it absolutely seemed because during the regular season, it was so obvious when he went off the court, you're like, oh no. And they would just, whatever nine point lead, 10 point lead they had would go to a two point lead or something like that. And they would have to bring LeBron. And it just, that didn't seem to really happen during the playoffs. I thought it had something to do at first. Cause like you said, when I, when you, when you first said that, I thought there's no way that that's true. They obviously played better in the playoffs with LeBron off. I thought maybe, I, I don't know, I feel like LeBron and Rondo played more together in the playoffs than they did in the regular season. Hmm. And that had obviously a lot to do with like Rondo just taking it to a complete different level. Mm-hmm. And I feel like having them staggered less, less, excuse me, having them staggered less left bench lineups without like a real playmaker. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it was like AD make something happen. And that's just like, not the best way to use him. Um, yeah. But I'd, I'd probably have to look at the, at the film to confirm that, but that's like my, my initial guess. Yeah. Th- that whole thing, the way they played in the regular season, 
It was like the worst it got was when Laker fans, including myself, were like, we need Darren Carlson. We need someone when LeBron <laughs> is off the court. Like it's not, it doesn't look great at all. And then like Dion Waiters was supposed to be the answer possibly and all that. But in the playoffs, it just seemed to go well. Yeah, that that is kind of weird. But I mean, I think Rick, I think you're right. Like we had no creator on the floor. Um, during those times and also it's such a smaller sample right the playoffs in the regular season yeah. Do you remember that game against Houston I think it was was a game three we were up like 25 in the fourth quarter and then they cut it to like right. four or right. five with LeBron off the floor mm-hmm. I think like mm-hmm. those kind of things kind of skewed the numbers there but... the, the last game against Miami they they like in the fourth oh, quarter right. the Lakers kind of like just yeah just they just, just kind of <laughs> mailing it in that happened, to celebrate. <laughs> that happened a couple times in the Nuggets series too. Where like, especially like that game two. It was a game two when Anthony Davis hit that that yeah. game winner. Game the two, game yep. Like, shouldn't even have been in that position, but the Lakers just gave up the, this huge lead at at the end right. of the game. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> maybe maybe they just got bored. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um. Yeah, I don't know, man. That that's that's interesting. It's interesting that they were three points worse. I just yeah, uh, it's, yeah. it was crazy. That's why I was I realized that with you guys before the pod started, and I was like, I was shook. I was again shook. I was just like, that doesn't seem right at all. Right. And we're not moving on to free agency, Ollie, yet. But that is something they need to clean up. Um, <laughs> it's, uh, going next year, you can't rely on regular season Rondo to carry <laughs> so dj augustine oh. um it's <laughs> <laughs> just disgusting <laughs> not trying to get hype over dj augustine right now laker killer dj augustine who else no nah, no nah, that's that's too big of a no 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 yeah that's yeah. too big of a tangent not yeah. that. all right raj on you man okay so i thought about this one and uh so who did like how do, I, how do I say this? Who was the Lakers' third best, like most third most important piece? I guess like some would say it was KCP, right? Some would say it was maybe Caruso, maybe it was Rondo, and like people talked about that all year. Like who's the third piece? Who's the third piece? Is it Kuzma? And obviously it wasn't Kuzma offensively, um, but it was the defense, right? The third piece was the defense, and I yeah. think that yeah, that was probably my favorite thing of this season. Um, if you saw early in the year, we had the video of Jackie McMullen who was like, who's going to defend on this team, right? Anthony Davis. No, he said, she said, Danny Green, Danny Green can't be everywhere at once. Yeah, That yeah. was her line. <laughs> that was literally her line was Danny Green can't be everywhere at once, which is true. Um, shout out Danny Green. But yeah, and like the defense was just amazing from day one. Um, Avery Bradley, who was one of my favorite players on the team, obviously he didn't make it to the bubble, but like his impact there. And they weren't just a good defensive team. Like, People are talking about was this the best Laker defensive team ever? Like of all time, those, yeah, of all time. Those are real words that people are saying, and um, I, I was, I would say so. Yeah, and I remember when I started like on Twitter, like all I was making was like Ingram and Lonzo defensive highlights, and people thought I was crazy. Like, <laughs> like, why the hell are you putting defensive highlights? And I'd be like, I really do like defense. And then to now, like, to see this team have like be the best defensive team, maybe that Ali, like you said, that we had ever. And they were just like on a string. Like you watch them. It's just 
beautiful. It's just like people were watching. Remember people said like in 2014, the Spurs had the best offense ever. Maybe like it was so beautiful. Like the ball would move and it would hit everywhere. That's how I felt with this defense. Like it was on a string Um, when Caruso would like get beat. LeBron was right there. And then when he would, and then he would help. Andy Davis was right there. And then when he would help, Danny Green was right there. And then all of a sudden there's like one second left on the shot clock. And the team is like throwing up this fadeaway jumper. I thought that was my favorite part. This team would dominate with this defense. Um, and yeah, that was, it's just beautiful. Shout out Frank Vogel for implementing it and uh, letting me watch this team defend on that end. It's funny when you I, relate it back to like the third star idea, because at the beginning of the season, it was all like, can Kuzma step up to the role and be the right. third star. Right. And it's funny because like the way that Kuzma stepped up and earned his playing time was through fitting into the defensive scheme. Mm-hmm. It's like it. people talk about how like soccer is a weak link sport and basketball is a strong link sport. And because like the best, the, like, the best player in basketball can take you far. But if there's someone on the soccer f- on the pitch, that's like whack, then it's a wrap for you. And like Kuzma was like, not that he was the weak link defensively, but in terms of the rotation players, he kind of was the weak link defensively. And he right. stepped it up and allowed like the team's defensive presence to take on a whole new level. Right. Ali, I thought I'd cut you off. I know. Yeah, absolutely. And um, yeah, no, the Lakers defense this season was just so fun to watch. Most like, I don't know how long it was, but they were in the top five net rating on the defensive end for a long period of the season. And I don't know if you, I don't, I might botch this, but there was a game this season. I cannot remember what it was, but I think like AD had five blocks Dwight had like four and JaVale had three. There was one game like that where I just remember freaking out. And it was like when like Dwight and AD were leading the league in blocks. And like they just, they were so damn fun to watch defensively. When they decided that they wanted to lock in, they would go on a like 12-0 run, not because of their offense. And of course, you can't go on a run with their offense. But because of just what they were doing on the defensive end alone. Ali, that game you're talking about was uh, the home game against Detroit um, against Derrick Rose, who you want to bring over here. But yeah, it was Man, again- <laughs> I didn't say I did not say I want like do not put that out there. I did not say that he I want him over here. But yeah, it was against Detroit, and I think they blocked like forty percent of Detroit's shots that night. Um, uh, yeah, <laughs> attempts that night it was just ridiculous. Uh, but yeah, this team defended like crazy, and like you said with Kuzma. That dude did not have a defensive stance last year, and he would get picked on and picked on by everybody, even from, like, not even high-level players. Like, even, like you said, DJ Augustine would go and pick at Kyle Kuzma. And this year, like, they threw him on Jimmy Butler, Jason Tatum, um, Paul George. That doesn't really count, but Paul George. And, they're like, they would throw him on all these wings, and uh, he he did his job. That's that's where Kuzma, like, like we said, he bought in on the offensive end where he wasn't going to be, like, a playmaker or anything. He, he just, you know, he knew his role. but he also bought in defensively, which is, which was just so beautiful to watch because everyone on that team bought in. And that alone, like we I talked about last podcast, is what's gonna make Kuzma so like wanted in free like free agency from other teams. Like he just brought up his stock way more by buying into the role instead of trying to be like the man of a team. When like three time defensive player of the year, Dwight Howard is like playing on a non guaranteed minimum salary. Mm-hmm because he's willing to buy into his role. It's hard. Like there's just, there's a culture to this team that was just hard to separate yourself from. Uh, Not that I know, but it just seemed that way. And then uh, you have Anthony Davis who might be, who is the best defensive player in the league. So that, that also helps. That also helps a little bit, a little bit. 
real quick, just a little off topic. I mean, kind of has with their defense when they were going off on defense and on the offensive end, the bench was just so damn fun to watch their celebrations. It was, they were just like, every time you score, your eyes would peel off to the side to see what the bench was doing. <laughs> Duncan Robinson said the bench was calling him Jimmy yeah, Neutron. Oh. <laughs> the bubble. That's amazing. So they were calling. <laughs> Who do you think started that on the Lakers bench? If I had to guess, uh-huh. I, I, I really do believe it would be McGee. I think McGee would start that. Ooh, I thought it would be Rondo. Okay, that's fair. Yeah. Who do you think it I was? I don't think Rondo knew who Jimmy Neutron is. I thought it would be cheese. I thought it'd be Dion because Dion was just chilling there, just like. And the reason I thought it was cheese is because I don't think he said it like jokingly. I think he said it like legit, trying to get into his head and didn't realize how unintentionally hilarious it would be to be called Jimmy Neutron. The only thing I don't like about the Jimmy Neutron nickname is that he looks just like Sheen. Like he looks way too similar. Like the side by side with him and Sheen is ridiculous. That's like when you're roasting your boy and you can't think of the right character, but you just want to say the show because you, you know people will remember. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, oh yeah. Jimmy Neutron head ass. And they're like, oh. Um, <laughs> oh, my God. He does look exactly like Sheen. <laughs> he looks just it's, – it's, it's insane. I can't unsee like, this I now. <laughs> like, he, I want to see the kid photo of him just to see oh how, God. like, similar it was. Sheen coming off double pin downs, shooting threes. That's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's amazing. I can't remember what Sheen's voice sounded like. I remember Carl's voice. I remember Jimmy's. I cannot remember Sheen's voice. You remember Sheen? He's like, I'm peeing in the shower. No, still- I know, I remember Sheen. I just can't remember his voice. <laughs> I'm glad that that was the clip you chose. Yeah, that's I do. Amazing. I do. I do like that. That that's was such that. the Sheen like scene where like the whole world's being taken over, and he's just like, yeah, I want to pee in the shower. That's <laughs> that's my way of that's my Jeez. way of having fun. <laughs> do you remember the? I think it was like a movie where Sheen got like a huge brain. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Is that the same one where the genes were like taking over the world or something? I don't, think that's, I don't think it's the same one. Were there multiple movies? Yeah. Oh, damn. oh the jeans one. I remember the jeans one. I was like, it actually scared me a little. <laughs> the jeans kind of like being able to take over. No, people I like hear that. you. It's a little scary. I, I didn't look at my closet the same. In fact, you know what? I don't own a single pair of jeans. That might be the reason why. Bless you. Thank you. I'm oh, sorry, it. I realized you muted it. Yeah, they're it. not going to know. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Ali just blessing the timeline. Yeah, yeah, they, 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 you just I'm got just letting everyone know. Hey, hey, he sneezed twice, too. Oh, <laughs> don't nobody need to know my allergy business, bro. <laughs> I'm in Virginia, bro. We got flowers blooming. It's crazy right now. Anyway. Okay. Uh, last storyline of the night. It's actually funny because, Raj, you talked about the defense and how that became – that was a cough. <laughs> That's even worse. And how that became – that's what I need to do. Raj taking a sip. I need to take a sip. Good Lord. Raj talked about the defense and how that became the team's identity um, and, and the identity that you know helped them win the championship, especially when they locked in against Denver and Miami. Um but it's funny 
because like I just wanted to go over the beginning of the season real quick because this obviously they they said it since the beginning but there was a point in time where like even LeBron would say it in a post game he's like our defense really needs to get to where it needs to be so I just want to recount like the beginning of the season so obviously first game lose to the Clippers I get absolutely hammered on Twitter I don't know if y'all remember remember that I remember that. <laughs> That's what I get for I talking crap. That. And then the Lakers win seven games in a row. And not to belabor the point, but the narrative was like, oh, they didn't beat anybody. But in those seven wins, they beat Utah, Dallas, San Antonio, Miami. So three playoff teams and one team that was like in the bubble. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? In that in that span against Dallas, LeBron went off for 39, 12, and 16. And that was the game that Danny Green sent into OT because Dwight Howard like pulled Seth Curry or somebody. Like basically. Hey, did they call them. it? Hey, did they call it? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All spare and loving basketball. Yes. yes. <laughs> All right. So then the Lakers lose to Toronto, right? But then they rip off 10 wins in a row against a lot of Eastern Conference teams. But in those 10 wins, they go off for a a back-to-back against OKC. And I remember we potted about that because I said it was stupid. Home and homes were stupid. Oh, yeah, I remember And Raj was like, no, it's a mini playoff series. And I was like, well, now I look stupid. Um, (laughs) But AD and Braun both just went bananas for like game to game. And that that first game, maybe it was the first, might have been the second, but that first game – against OKC LeBron set the the record he was the only player to record a triple double against every team in the league that happened in that in that home and home right and I think I think you know AD had like 35 one game Bron had 34 in a triple double one game just going off then then the Lakers lose to Dallas so if you're counting that's 17 and three then the Lakers rip off seven wins in a row after that we're talking Denver Utah Portland, Miami included, they score 142 points on the Minnesota Timberwolves, right? I, they, they still haven't beaten a good team, though. Strength <laughs> <Yeah>. of schedule. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, in that 142, AD scored 50. Against Portland in that trip, the Lakers scored 136 points. AD scored 39. So, like, they start off 24 and 3, right? And like this is after we after no one picked them. Who's gonna who's gonna score on this team? Who's gonna defend on this team? They rip off. They go twenty four and three, and it's crazy because we talk about how much this team has a defensive identity. Where the hell are you going? We talk about the Avery Bradley challenge, but like they were they were just destroying teams uh-huh. offensively at the beginning of the year, putting up one forty in back to back games, like. Just scoring at will because who knew it's impossible to guard AD and LeBron when you've never seen them play together before. Uh, I thought that's my storyline. Like, I know they're a defensive team, but I just I I don't want to forget that, like, throughout that, that first 27 games, they were just getting buckets. And Danny Green still knew how to shoot back then. So it was helpful. Think about it. During those first 27 games, Teams didn't really have film of LeBron and AD playing together. So you could say like, all right, well, teams are going to need to start to learn how to like defend against them and everything like that. But as the season went on, it didn't stop. And in the playoffs, you got a lot of film and it didn't stop. Like that just brings me back to Jackie McMullen's thing about (laughs) LeBron and AD not working well together. Like 
you have to like what what was the exact line? Is like how you have to learn to play with air. It's like it's hard to uh to plug AD next to LeBron. And yeah. it makes that made no sense to me. What's what's crazy is while you were going through all those, right? It's crazy how like how vivid the losses are. I remember the losses like so mm-hmm. vividly. Yep. I'm like, Luca hit that step back three and then we couldn't make a bucket. And then he hit a <laughs> corner pass to um, one of those shooters. He hit a corner three and the game was over. Like, I remember that so vividly. And then you're going through the wins. So I'm like, what the hell? We had like a 10 straight win and then a seven straight win. And, <laughs> and I was over here like, man, let me, I got to see the Clippers with Paul George. Like I got to see how they look first. You know, like that was the story. Like up until Christmas, do you remember that? They're like, Oh yeah, the Clippers played um, five games together with Kawhi and Paul George. Wait till wait till they get their <laughs> together, and then meanwhile the Lakers are just destroying the whole league like throughout throughout the whole time. I thought that was uh, interesting how you just remember that, but yeah, that's that's crazy. This was a crazy year. They were twenty seven and like five or something like that. It's wild. You know what I think is a big part of the reason why we remember each loss. Why I think it's because afterwards we all go straight to Twitter and we all talk about it and like we. Like we literally as a fan, as a fan base, all just go through it together and yeah. just for like an hour after the game, just like pour out our hearts and say how we feel. I like I I don't think beforehand you would like really feel all those losses much or at least not beforehand because there was maybe 50 to 60 losses. But <laughs> and a lot to choose from. <laughs> <laughs> which which 30 point loss? There was like 20 of them. Um the but, one last week? No, what are you I, talking about? <laughs> I feel like we we just after every loss, just like even if it's not even that bad of a loss, we'll take it so like hurtfully just because there weren't that many. Yeah. And I remember like Rick, while you're going through that, the when you said the Toronto loss, like do you remember how bad like that Toronto loss was? It felt like the <laughs> world ended because they were like, okay, the Lakers finally play a good team, Toronto, and then they beat us, and we were on like a 14 game 13 game win streak yeah. or some ridiculous amount but still like we felt awful we're like man they really double team anthony davis like is he gonna be able yes. to figure yeah, we, is yeah, he gonna yeah. be able to is he gonna be able to figure this out and lebron couldn't really get by siakam all night like and we really did that we went and talked mm-hmm. about that like, those were legit talking points that went up and meanwhile they did, i bet like imagine going to lebron like he just won 14 in a row and they're like lebron are you guys worried like are you, are you guys worried and like that's kind of that's kind of crazy that we really dove into that bro i distinctly remember the lakers having the number one record in the west mm-hmm. and i'm seeing tweets like well if the lakers can't guard pascal <laughs> siakam they're gonna have trouble with Kawhi." and i'm like bro <laughs> what <laughs> no my favorite from that was when people were like siakam like he's pretty damn like i i he, he might be in front of ad in a year or two and i'm like oh no don't do this don't do this but that loss that that might have been the most hurtful loss just because like that was at the peak of when people were like you guys haven't played anybody yet right. and then that loss was so pronounced and like it just that one hurt so badly <laughs> I'll say too. I I don't know about y'all, but like being on the being on the East Coast, like especially if it's like a home game. Like, I th- were we were we in Toronto or not? No, we were home. No, we were home. Yeah. yeah. So like, I, that it, it's ending at like eleven forty five, and then I'm getting off of work and going to sleep with like that loss in my head. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> like that's just a wrap. Um, I, I will say this though: the 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 Dallas loss that was the one loss 
that throughout the early season. Because if you remember, after we went on that 24-3, we ended up losing like four or five in a row. Mm-hmm, yeah. um, and then like it kind of leveled out because straight up when we were 24-3, and three, I was like, oh, the Warriors record has fallen. It's a wrap. Um, <laughs> but that loss to Dallas, that was like the first one where I was like, okay, they earned it. They were mad about the first one. We <laughs> Dwight Howard held Seth Curry. Okay, they had that one coming. And I was like, that's when I finally like leveled off as a fan. I was like, okay, I, I forgot there's 82 games of this season, even though there weren't. <laughs> Do you think we'll be better at this next season or is it going to be the same thing? I don't get paid to keep my emotions in check. You know, I'm not, I'm not, a, I'm not a Lakers employee. I'm not Mike Trudell or Pizzeas. All right. Uh, this, is, this is my up and down. This is what I do. Uh, I was going to say like in, <laughs> in 2010, I remember being like, okay, this is all I want. Like, God, if you can just make them win 2010, I'm not going to care at all about, you know, going forward. Like, this is all I need. I just need this title 2010. And then we won in 2010. Then next year, like the Dallas series, I'm like cursing people out again. So no, I don't, <laughs> I don't think, I don't think we're going to be any different. Yeah, ring, <laughs> ring, ring ceremony night. There's the, like normally it's the first game, right? The first game back, you get your rings. <laughs> the the beginning of it, it's gonna be so fun to watch. We're gonna be we're, we're gonna be so high up. And then like, can you just because like I believe there's like a ring curse where like you you struggle the the, the game, you get your rings for sure. So we're gonna freak out by the end of it. I just have one question though. Like during that ring ceremony, do you think it's gonna yes. be weird to see like? To just see Chris Paul just standing there watching everybody else get their rings on the team. Uh, oh my god! You just did it. <laughs> no. Listen, if you're oh, in a give that me was crap awful. for all of that, <laughs> and what hurts me the most was that that was the best delivery of the night. Like I, you destroyed any little joke I had about that. Man. That was so good because I was so like listening. I was like, yeah, what, what, what questions does he have? Between that and the fake sponsor, I really got y'all going tonight. <laughs> So I was like, are we playing OKC opening night? Like, is that what's happening? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh, the schedule come up quick as hell. Yeah, I still, I still got connects at the league. I still Watch. got connects. Shout out Tom Pirelli. I'm not gonna forget this. Can you imagine opening night? We actually play against a CP3 led team. <laughs> I, I'm a soothsayer, Yoda, like like Rashad Phillips, Yoda. Yeah, shit, that was whack. All right, let's end this before it gets <laughs> off the rails. Oh, man. Yeah, I will say this, too. It's tough to answer your original question that occurred like 10 minutes ago, Ellie. It's tough because, <laughs> because uh, like, LeBron kind of, like, magnifies everything. Like, I get on Twitter, and people are already like, I mean, he's got to win another ring if he wants his jersey retired. And I'm like, yeah. oh, my God. Yo, I heard that the day after the championship on ESPN in radio like and i was like are we serious right now can we sit and enjoy this and not talk about whether his jersey deserves to be up or not like there that's there's no need for that whatsoever right now anyway the only question is really is it going to be a 23 and a 6 or just a 23 that's the only real question i i've can we make predictions real quick is are they changing their jersey numbers you think yes yeah they they did I say, I say, you know what? I'm going to be the one. No, I don't think they will. I think the fact that they won a championship in those jersey numbers, they're not going to change it. Wow. That'd be, that'd be, I would like that a lot. That'd be cool. That'd be cool. I feel like there's too much. I, I, don't, I, I, I personally wanted them to switch it, but like ever since they, because they won, I'm like, I don't, I don't think I want that anymore. Even though three still to this day looks weird to me on a center. 
It's like when you see like a wide receiver whose jersey number is 17, like Percy Harvin. Like, what are you doing, bro? Your number should start with an eight. <laughs> um, but that football th- reference, I have no idea. <laughs> yes, it was. Yes, it was. I try not to make those publicly. Uh, I don't like to publicly support the NFL, but it's in my blood. What can I do? Anyway, thank you for uh, having this uh, retrospective journey back in time throughout the Lakers season. Next time, we're going to give a new Laker their flowers. Um, and we're going to try to stay in the moment for the most part. Although, Allie really wants to talk Derrick Rose, so no promises. What One thing I am excited to talk about, though, is like the future lineups of Caruso and Aaron Baines. That's going to be a cool one to see, you know? Uh, That's man. mad random. Also, that dude is I, – I know, I know. I saw the CBS Sports article. But that dude is still a Celtics to me, so I don't even want to like, ugh, I can get ugh. Like, no. <sighs> You want to replace Dwight Howard already? Like, <laughs> well, the Warriors, and if you were talking future, you know the Warriors might have them. <laughs> okay, when we start discussing other teams' off-season <laughs> moves, that's how you know it's time to end the pod. So, without any further ado, this has been the forum. Peace. Peace. Shit.